You are listening to KCRW Berlin. I'm Monika Müller-Kroll, the executive producer of Studio Berlin. A note before we get started. The episode you'll hear today, a debate on unconditional basic income, first aired on September 2nd. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. I'm your host, Sylvia Cunningham. This week, we are talking about a long-term study that's underway in Germany, a study on how society would change if people were to receive a basic income of 1,200 euros per month with no strings attached. The debate over unconditional basic income is not a new one, but it has gotten more attention in the wake of the COVID-19 health crisis and socioeconomic uncertainties. The Berlin nonprofit Mein Grundeinkommen, or My Basic Income, is behind this new pilot project that will involve 120 participants over the course of three years. So, in this half hour, we'll hear from some of the proponents and critics of basic income, and we'll take a closer look at how this new experiment will work. Joining me first is Michael Bomeyer. He is one of the founders of Mein Grundeinkommen. Good to have you on the show. Hello. So, Michael, before we get into the latest project that I mentioned at the top, let's take a step back and talk about the work that your nonprofit has been doing since 2014. So Mein Grundeinkommen works like a lottery, and for the past uh, six years, you've raffled off hundreds of basic incomes, which is 1,000 euros per month for a full year. So who is eligible to receive one of these? Well, everyone is, uh, regardless of... um your nationality or your age, even children can participate. It's just for everyone. And it's not quite correct. It's not a lottery. You don't have to pay to enter the raffle. And that's what makes it so special because people donating for the project actually don't really have a benefit from donating uh, as they have the same chances as everyone else. But still, people are willing to pay uh, an amount monthly, which is in some quite big 600,000 euros are being donated each month to our project. The financing of this project, it, it being crowdfunded, financed by private donations, how has that developed over the years? Um, it started back in 2014 when I um, had the idea to crowdfund one basic income for one person for one year. And people loved it. Uh, the media loved it too. Um, and it, yeah, <laughs> they wanted more and more. And they kept donating money. And uh, I was in the situation of, uh, yeah, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, and this is how the project started off. And uh, now we have 2 million users who are registered in our platform. And it keeps growing and growing each month as we raffle more and more basic income to randomly selected people. So back when everybody was talking about it being this crazy idea, why did you believe in it? I believe in uh, trying things. <laughs> um, I, I, I used to be a startup founder and you just uh, yeah do the trial and error approach and not so much theory. And um, I still today, I'm not so sure if the universal basic income will be as good as many people hope it is. Actually, we cannot know. Nobody can know anything about the universal basic income because it's not really been tr- tested in, in such a way as we're doing it right now. And that was actually my motivation in the first place to have some experience with it and not just the sometimes annoying debates. And so that's a great segue to this new pilot project. Uh, This is longer term over the course of three years to really see how a basic income impacts people's lives and society. Why is it important to put it on this larger scale? 
Um, well, what we've been doing in the past years is we only got an idea of how it could actually work. Uh, it's been uh, a basic income for only one year, so it's a very limited amount of time. And also we didn't have real scientific data. All we did was um, interviews with the recipients. And surprisingly, they all kind of said the same things. They said it's not so much about the money, but more of it being unconditionally. We um, experienced that people who have already had enough money um, actually had the biggest effects. The ones that seemingly don't needed the money changed their lives. So now what we're trying to do is have real scientific proof of these hints we got. I think it's really important to don't be biased. And uh, that's why we have these external partners now with the German Institute for Economic Research to actually test the idea. You mentioned it changed the lives of people who maybe didn't need the money the most. How did it change their lives? Yeah, uh, on paper, it didn't change so much. Um, some people are scared that people would quit their jobs, but actually that didn't happen so much. Even if it did, people kept on working in jobs that fit better to them. But actually, the health changed a lot. People had um, less depressions. They had more locus of control, is what you say. So um, they had the feeling that they are in charge of their own lives. Um, it felt like an empowerment to them. And I think they, you could say that they are turned out to be happier humans who, who take healthier decisions for themselves. So now with this new pilot project, there will be 120 recipients who will receive this basic income, which is going to be 1,200 euros per month over three years. And so these can be employed people, unemployed, any age, any nationality, just living in Germany. Yeah, everyone can participate. And that's really important because um, the idea of the basic income is that really everyone gets it, not only unemployed people. So we've reached out to the Federal Ministry of Labor and Social Affairs, and a spokeswoman said that they do welcome this experiment and they are curious about the outcome. But she also mentioned that the design of the experiment already shows that the results can be of only, uh, quote, limited significance. And so she said, an experiment with 120 people is fundamentally different from political measures that permanently affect more than 80 million people and affect the foundations of our entire economy. What do you say to that? I think she's, uh, she's correct. <laughs> and this is the reason why um, they should be doing their job and uh, don't wait for us to do their job, because I think we need new approaches. We have major crises facing our society. We have the digitalization. We have um, a society that's split up in, in uh, different groups. We have the um, climate crisis, and we don't really have new political concepts, no new approaches. And many people have the idea that basic income could be a key to actually be able to solve those crises. I'm really not sure if this is true, but we should at least give it a shot. And as the Ministry of uh, of work is um, obviously pretty slow on this. Uh, we are giving it a kickstart and we very much invite them uh, to follow us and join the next bigger experiment. Michael Bomeyer is one of the initiators of the Berlin nonprofit Mein Grund Einkommen. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Now people can still apply to take part in this longer-term study, and organizers hope that the first payments will be transferred to participants' bank accounts by early 2021. But until then, Mein Grund Einkommen is continuing its separate raffle of basic incomes. 
The nonprofit has given out nearly 700 of those to people across Germany for the past six years. And my next guest is one of those recipients. Joining me on the phone is Sabina Heisner. She is a 74-year-old pensioner living in Munich. Welcome. Good morning. In 2019, you received 1,000 euros a month for a year, no strings attached. How did that change your life? All the stress on my shoulders just, yeah, went away. And then many, 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 many thoughts came up into my head, thinking of, oh, you never have been horse riding, you never have been uh, gliding, you never have been this and this and this done. And I wanted to do that. And after a while, when I became calm, I saluted to go to India. Okay, so all these ideas first rushed into your head when you realized you would be receiving the money, but you decided to take a trip to India. How long were you there for? For five months. Wow, okay. So (laughs) what did you do while you were there? I just traveled. I had two wishes I had in my head I wanted to do for years. I wanted to meet the Dalai Lama. And I wanted to go to the south in India because I thought this is a really nice place. And I did both. And throughout your life, you had worked a number of different jobs. Uh, You were a secretary in the film business. Uh, You're also a mother. But when you found out you'd be a recipient of the basic income, at that point, you were retired. You were receiving a pension. So how did your friends and family react? I mean, were they excited for you? Maybe a little envious? They were, most of them were absolutely excited because they really knew that I need some money because the um, pension is not that high. Yeah, you mentioned stressors. Um, What were some of those stressors going on? The stressors just financially. I don't have that money and I was always thinking, oh my God, is that enough in the months and uh, everything you know, prices are going higher every year. And so I always had to really struggle. And the money is limited to one year, so you're no longer receiving it now. How was it adjusting back to not having this additional income? Well, I knew that before. I'm ambassador for basic income, so I'm quite into the theme for many, many, many years. And I knew, okay, it's finished after a year. And uh, my opinion is to have it longer. So we have this pilot now out by pilot project for three years and everybody gets 1200 per month. And I think that's very, very necessary to understand what's really doing with you to become from all of us, from the community, uh, a certain amount of money to, to be safe in, in life. I didn't know who I am really. And I became aware who I'm really In this one year, I received the basic income. Savina Heisner is a 2019 recipient of a basic income from the nonprofit Mein Grundeinkommen. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for asking me and have a good day. Bye-bye. We're taking a short break. When we come back, we'll hear from an economist and critics of universal basic income. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Studio Berlin. A reminder that this discussion on unconditional basic income originally aired on September 2nd. The show returns after this message. 
I'm Marco Werman. Each day, we give you the world. They don't want people driving into the center of London. The world is curious. It's a total chaos in Venezuela right now. The world is surprising. The Australian government is completely clueless. The world is unexpected. The Japanese really have made history today. The world is right here. Join us. Tune in to The World, Tuesday through Saturday at 9 a.m. on KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Today we are talking about a new experiment in Germany to test out basic income on a larger scale than has ever been done here before. Joining me now is a skeptic-turned-supporter, Marcel Fratcher, who is the president of the German Institute for Economic Research in Berlin. Thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure. So your institute is a core partner in this new pilot project from Mein Grund Einkommen, and this is a project that's not financed by the government. It's, it's financed through private donations. As an economist, what is the central question that you're hoping this experiment will answer? We want to know... Uh, what will happen to uh, people's work. So will they work more or less? What will happen to their health? Uh, will it actually help their, their health if they're less stressed, less concerned about the future? Uh, what happens to life satisfaction? What happens also to climate uh, change and climate protection and the attitude of people towards that? So these are some of the key areas what we want to find out. And, of course, this isn't the first basic income experiment we've seen in the world. And later on in the show, actually, we'll hear from a writer in Finland who is very critical of the much-talked-about trial run that happened in his country in 2017. But in that experiment, they only pulled from a pool of unemployed people. So it really wasn't considered a universal basic income because it was targeted in that way. But in this experiment in Germany, the pool is, is really much wider than that. That's correct. It's um, much wider. And for us, it's really important to have a representative group. So in a way, what we are doing is picking 120 people by random, by lottery, and um, try to ensure that um, we basically have a fairly representative picture of the German society. Very important is also to look at what we call a control group. So people who don't receive the uh, universal basic income and um, see what they are doing over the same period. So we're talking about statistical twins, right? So we want to have people who are identical to one another, with the only exception that some of them get the uh, universal basic income and others don't. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. Okay, so in the group that gets the basic income, you might have a single mother, and in the control group, you might also have a single mother, uh, same age, maybe living in the same part of the country, but that is basically the difference that's uh, defining them. Exactly. That's, uh, that's what, what we are doing, and um, because we at DIW have been running the biggest household survey uh, in Europe, at least, for the past 35 years, uh, called the, the GSEP, the uh, German Socioeconomic Panel, where we have 30,000 individuals that we survey every year, we have a lot of experience basically to to do a very methodologically clean identification of people who are really identical to one another with this one exception. And this will be really important to to be able to to say something from a scientific point of view, how UBI is going to work. Is it true that you weren't always a fan of um, basic income? (laughs) 
Yes, that's true. Initially, I was an opponent of UBI. And, and one has to be very clear that UBI is not going to work for everyone. My initial objection to uh, universal basic income was that money can't solve all the problems. Take someone who's unemployed. And in Germany, we had, before the corona crisis, despite a booming labor market and a booming economy, still about one million people who were long-term unemployed, who couldn't find jobs over three, four, five years. And if you look at these people, many of them don't have qualifications. And giving them uh, universal basic income will not solve this problem. Um, what really made me change my mind about UBI is really the, the idea of, of human beings as social beings. And what's really in the nature of human beings is they want to be part of society, they want to play a meaningful role uh, in their environment. And the idea that I really like about UBI, this universal basic income, the goal is to give people a meaningful role within their society. And um, that really made me change my mind. But I think clearly one has to <laughs> manage expectations. So UBI is not the, the solution to everything. But I'm convinced if it's designed in the right way, it can help many people who uh, would use that support in a very, very sensible and good way. And of course, the idea of it being accessible to the 80 plus million people who live in Germany is a long way down the road. But if that were to happen, how could you envision it being financed? The financing of the UBI is always the biggest objection, but I think it is not such a huge issue because, of course, um, taxpayers have to pay for it, right? So clearly, if you have a good income, a decent income, uh, you will pay, uh, this will take them from the taxes you're paying to the government. And the second point on the financing side to me is that we have in many continental European countries a gigantic social welfare state. And if you look at a city like Berlin, but you can take any other uh, big city, how many public employees are working in the social security system simply to administer that system, to check, uh, do people have the claim to get a certain housing benefit or a subsidy for energy or a, a certain allowance to buy food. Uh, there is such a huge bureaucracy. With the UBI, you could actually cut not all, but plenty of those, namely those that prove whether conditions are fulfilled. So by definition, UBI is unconditional. Uh, and so that could also generate savings. So by and large, I am not convinced that UBI would generate such high costs that it cannot be financed. Marcel Fratcher is the president of the German Institute for Economic Research in Berlin. Thanks for your time today. My pleasure. So far on the show, we've heard from supporters of unconditional basic income. But a 2018 study by Save found that Germans are pretty divided on this issue. While 44% said they support the idea, a little more than 51% said they were against it. And one of our next guests definitely falls in that latter camp. His name is Alan Posner. He's a journalist based in Berlin. Welcome to the show, Alan. Hi, good to be with you. Also joining us from Finland is Antti Jauhianen. He is the co-author of the book, The Welfare State Strikes Back, and co-founder of Pericon Finland, an economic think tank. Thanks for making the time. Happy to be here. Alan, you recently wrote an opinion piece for the German publication Site Online about the idea of money for nothing. 
What are your biggest reservations about universal basic income? Well, well, the first thing is I think we've had uh, experiments for years on universal basic income. You only have to look at Saudi Arabia or the Gulf states. They pay their population to basically hang around and do nothing, whereas the imported labor does all the hard work. And what the proponents of universal basic income say, namely that this will enable people and indeed energize them to go about all sorts of caring jobs and artistic self-realization and so on, simply isn't the case. You just have to look. They've raised several generations down there, people who are incapable of doing anything for themselves. You know, so you don't need a Finnish, by the way, self-selecting experiment. And um, if you look at Germany, um, and we're too lazy to even harvest our own asparagus or slaughter our own pigs. So why on earth should we pay ourselves to be lazy and import Romanians and other people to do, you know, necessary basic work for us? And the third thing is we're an immigrant society. So who gets the right to, say, 1,200 euros a month? Germans only? Or are you going to say anyone who comes into the country and has a right to be here will get it? It's against the emancipation of work. It's against the upgrading of necessary work, like, for instance, harvesting tomatoes or slaughtering pigs or doing whatever um, is necessary or cleaning people's houses and saying, well, that's nothing. Uh, uh, you know, I need 1,200 euros to do my something with media or something with the arts or this or that. I think it's really decadent. Okay, so Alan, you paint a rather grim picture of the various ways that basic income might be used or maybe abused. And at the top, you mentioned uh, the Citizens Account Initiative in Saudi Arabia, which is a form of basic income. But Antti, do you agree with some of Alan's points? What do you think? Well, I, I think legally speaking, it's pretty simple to check who receives and who doesn't. And that's currently by nationality. So if a person is a citizen of Finland he or she is eligible for basic income in, in a, you know, imaginary scenario where Finland would give everyone basic income. But when you consider, for example, the Finnish basic income experiment, it was a random lot chosen from people who were unemployed at the time of the so-called lottery. And then they were randomly selected from Finnish citizens. So for me, the division between people who are citizens of the country or not is, is quite simple because there's a legal way of checking that. Um, it's racist. Yeah. Sorry, Alan, did you have something there? Yeah, yeah but by being a true Finn, as the party called itself, you are eligible to 1,200 or 567 euros a month. And if you're not Finnish or German, if it was conducted here, then you wouldn't be eligible. So it's either racist or it's an invitation to come here and work for, and get money for nothing. Either way, it's immoral. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I'm not an expert on morals, but when you consider world as a legal area, then, of course, ideally you have, just as you have global markets, you would have global systems of, of welfare states, which would provide these kind of benefits. But whether or not it would be a nationwide or universal, as you seem to imply, as being a global, which would solve your problem of racism, I believe that the correct way of dividing people when you consider basic income is dividing people into children, working age adults, and elderly people. And basic income is something that 
touches, I think, mostly working age adults because most societies consider that children are in some form need of support and elderly people as well. And a welfare state in general use form of either cash benefits or services to help these people who aren't working age adults. And basic income is basically a tool to help those people who might fall unemployed or in general help the wage level so that people are are able to meet their demands more easily. I have to say that I'm not, you know, a full proponent of basic income. I see it has many problems, but in general, an universal basic income is a tool that should be considered to help make those benefits target better. Alan, uh, something else you talked about in your site online commentary um, was social welfare and programs in Germany, like Hartz IV, for example. What we have right now in this country, is it working? Well, um, it depends really on what you and what measure you put up to it. I'm sure it could be lots of things could be done better. Pre-COVID-19, obviously, we had a very high employment rate. We got through the financial crisis. We're probably going to get through the COVID-19 crisis with the help of these benefits. And I don't want to sound heartless because I'm, I'm not. There's obviously some people who sort of fall through the grid. And especially, I think, I agree with, Auntie, that children should not have to suffer because their parents are on a low income or can't make ends meet. So I'm all for the German or the welfare system quite generally. The thing I'm saying is that in Germany hard fear, getting unemployment benefit is tied to if you are a working age adult and you are able-bodied and so on, you have to prove that you're trying to get work. Some people think this is onerous, but I think this is okay because why should you reward someone for not trying to get work? Now, people say, oh, but you know, if he wasn't trying to get work as a, I don't know what, house cleaner, then he or she could be uh, this great artist or could learn to play the piano or something but i do think that in some places for instance in the third so-called third world in in africa universal basic income might be a very good idea there were some experiments in namibia for instance in a in a village there people got six euros a month there's a lot of money down there but it doesn't cost us much and it improves their life no end So I'm all for a universal basic income in places like Africa, and I'm much against it in privileged societies like Finland, Sweden, Germany, Great Britain, whatever. We're almost out of time, but I I want to get your quick take, Antti. I think proponents of universal basic income are exactly correct in saying that, you know, providing safety and security to people and that they shouldn't have to worry about their, you know, basic needs being met is in general something that, would be hugely beneficial to our economies, not to mention, you know, people themselves, because the stress inherent in poverty and the stress inherent in situations where you have not enough money to, you know, make ends meet in day-to-day life is simply something that, you know, reduces person's capacity to work and reduces person's capacity to take care of things. And I think with universal basic income experiments, we might find people doing the kind of work and even, you know, community service work and other kind of labor that currently in labor markets, you know, 
doesn't pay much or isn't something that's worth doing. But with universal basic income, people might be able to test out and do the kind of stuff that market is pretty bad at, you know, valuing. We have to leave it there. Uh, Alan Posner is a journalist based in Berlin and Antti Jaujanen runs an economic think tank in Finland. Thank you both. You're very welcome. I thank you for having me. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And thank you for listening to Studio Berlin. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Have a good week. You just heard our discussion on unconditional basic income, which first aired on September 2nd. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Studio Berlin.